Hello, and thanks for listening to Shelf Love. Welcome to the Decameron Quarantine Romance Book Club. This is part three of a 10-episode miniseries of short, casual conversations with romance experts who are here to spread the joy of romance novels so that we can all stay home and not spread coronavirus. I'm Andrea Martucci, host of the Shelf Love Podcast, and tonight I'm joined by Laquette, the former president of RWA NYC and author of 11 books featuring unapologetically diverse, bold, and sexy characters, Katie Robert, New York Times bestselling author of over 50 romances, including the Wicked Villain series, and Ruby Lang, author of the Uptown and Practice Perfect series, and a former contributor to The Toast. Tonight's theme is fate versus free will. So if you choose, we may begin. Let's start with Laquette. What romance novel do you think is worth reading that explores the theme of fate versus free will? The late Francis Ray's Heart of a Falcon. It is a beautiful story about a man who believes he's pretty much fated to have a disastrous uh, relationship because his parents had a really disastrous relationship. And he sort of spends most of the book um, not realizing that by trying to avoid that fate, he's actually committing himself to that fate. Uh, and it takes him nearly the whole book for him to realize that the way to actually change his fate from his parents' situation is to actually commit to the woman that he loves. Mm, that's like very like Odysseusian, right? <laughs> it, is. it is. It's. 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 I mean, he's he's very hard headed and he's frustrating and he's a bit of a douche. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, granted, this book was probably written somewhere in the '90s, so um, you know it probably isn't as progressive as we, you know, would like to think we are in these good old days, but, um, <laughs> but it's a beautifully written story, uh, literally about this man just discovering that he doesn't have to, his relationship doesn't have to be, doesn't have to turn out like his parents and that actually his parents can even have a second chance if they wish to. Uh, and so he, it takes him a long time to learn that, but it's, it's very, it's fun and frustrating at the same time watching him discover this and the poor woman that uh, is the heroine. Um, I believe her name is Maggie, if I'm not mistaken. She she is, you know, she starts out very, very much the innocent in the book. And through watching him and his douchey ways, uh, she finally just decides that I'm not dealing with this anymore and you're either going to be here or you're not. And either way, I'm good. And that's when he kind of realizes, you know, I might want to get my ish together. <laughs> good for her. <laughs> I'm glad she did that. <laughs> um, so Ruby, what romance novel would you recommend on the theme of fate versus free will? So the romance novel that I recommend is Cougar's Pawn by Holly Trent. It is a paranormal. And um, of course, it has that faded mates thing. Um, it's about a trio of uh, cougar shifter brothers who are told by the goddess in charge of them um, to kidnap three uh, campers. Um, and they had better hope that these three young women like them, because if they don't, and if they don't, 
you know, agree to be their mates in two weeks, the cougar shifters will be just be cougars. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Dang, it is cruel. Um, <laughs> so, what I really love about this book is that okay, so you know we've got the the big outline of of this goddess coming in and interfering with these lives, but you know the nitty gritty is really up to. Um, the main characters, Ellery and Mason, they have to try and make it work for each other. They have to figure out whether or not they can like each other. Ellery happens to be a witch, um, unbeknownst to Mason. And, you know, she comes in very helpful when it turns out that he also lives next to a hellmouth and demons occasionally are spit out of it. Um, and so when she leaps into action and starts, you know, carving signs into the air with a rusty old knife that she found, because uh, the cougars aren't really doing a great job um, banishing this uh, demon, they're all like, whoa, I guess we picked really good. Um, so, but the other thing is, you know, she's she's also a, a, a nurse and she's able to, like, just tell Mason, listen, you have, he has a, a child from a previous relationship. And she says he has a cough and you have to get yourself together and get like a humidifier for this kid. He's coughing. <laughs> get your life together is basically what she tells him. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, it's like, okay, fate has handed me this thing. But at the same time, we also have this woman, this real person saying, get your life together. And that I, I when Loquette was talking about um, the Francis Ray book, I was like, yes. Yes, it still is really about getting your life together, isn't it? So, yeah, Holly Trent. Uh, I think it's on sale this week at the time of this recording. So, you know, get on that one. I was going to say one click. Excuse me. I need this in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a series like each book is a brother? Yes. And they are um, sort of on the same timeline, too. So, uh, yeah, I know it's. Holly Trent, so tricky. She good. She's good, <laughs> and she does some like polyamorous stuff too. So at first, when you said three brothers, I was like, oh, <laughs> brother stuff. Oh, I just read writing her in like a couple weeks ago, and oh my goodness, so good. that book, my heart, I love it so much. And she has this huge backlist too. So like you know, once you start this one, basically you're set for life, or at least you know this uh, quarantine session. So there you go. <laughs> There's a joke there, but I won't make it. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> so Katie, what about you? Which romance novel would you recommend? Um, I also went paranormal, The Kiss of the Demon of a Demon King by Cressley Cole. And it is the their faded mates like all her books, and it's a enchantress heroine who kidnaps a demon and exiled demon king because there's a prophecy that her their child will like rule and he's not super on board with the whole idea and she's arguably a villain in every way that matters and it's just it's a very much an enemies to lovers and they like there's like hate almost sex like a lot of it and eventually of course they fall in love but it's i love it so much because she takes what is a pretty normal type paranormal story and that, you know, the faded mates and there's a little bit of kidnapping involved and kind of gender flips it 
And so it's the heroine who's exhibiting a lot of like traditionally hero type asshole tendencies. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she becomes more sympathetic as the book goes on because you understand why she is the way she is, but she never is nice. And she's never like a particularly good person, even as the series continues. And like, I just love how like unapologetic that heroine is. And the hero has been, up to this point in this in the series has been like this like white knight type and like just the good guy and the control freak and you know being around her turns him into this like it unravels his control completely and turns him into what i would say is his true self which is not the epitome of like goodness like he's got a little bit of bad in him too and she definitely brings it out in him and it's it's just delicious (laughs) Mm. You said they have hate almost sex. Is it it's almost hate sex or it's hate it's, sex, it's but they hate, don't quite have sex? It's hate sex, but they don't quite have sex because oh. she's trying to because the whole in Cressley's world, the demons, how they like know that it's their mate is they like uh, spend inside of them and break the seals, what it's called. And so she's trying to seduce him into having sex with her to prove that she's his mate. And he's like allowing it up to a certain point, but like not con- like going all the way with her um, until, you know, things turn on their head and go, the plan goes sideways. Uh, but so it's a lot of like her trying to seduce him and him, like there's a lot of orgasms traded, but it's not, not full on like penis and vagina sex until a little bit later in the book. That's very like church camp. E. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but with demons. Yes. Yes. And I, <laughs> I, and I don't know in that series if, like, penetration of any sort will break the seal. I honestly cannot remember, but it, I I know that it requires penetration. So, um, but yes, very church campy rules. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm curious if that's actually an influence now. Uh, and who makes the rules in this demon world? I guess Cressley <laughs> Cole does. Um, yes. <laughs> so here's here's my big question, you know, about fate versus free will. So I think a lot of um, authors and the romances that they write tend to fall either into one of these two camps. And and Katie, you've already kind of touched on this with Cressley Cole always kind of doing the fated mates thing. So I think authors either tend to believe like people are fated to get to be together, they're soulmates, they believe that they're meant to be with someone, or, you know, like these these two people come hell or high water, they're going to end up together. And it's just a matter of kind of like seeing it happen. Or the author in the book tends to be more of the philosophy that life is random. And we're, com- we're not completely at the whims of fate, we are completely in control of who we want to be with romantically. So I, I mean, that's just like, I feel like that Though it's it's a binary, like you're either one or the other. But I'm I'm curious what you ladies think. If you have seen, I, I mean, the books that you talked about, it seemed like everybody kind of hit on there being a fate element. But actually, so Laquette, yours was very much the latter case where he thought it was fate, but it was very much free will, right? Yes, I mean his his understanding is that my parents were in love and we loved them and we were a wonderful family and then they broke up and everything went to hell and I'm never going to allow love to 
hurt me like that the way it has already. I'm not meant to be that. I'm a product of of their relationship. So then that if they're broken, that means I'm broken too. And the best thing for me to do is never allow love in. And that will save me. That will prevent me from ever having to let someone go that I love. And he he has a one night stand with someone with with the heroine, not realizing um, at the time. I can't recall if he realized who she was or, or the connection that she had to him because he's best friends with her brothers, and so they kind of meet in some strange situation, and they wind up having a one night stand, and she ends up pregnant, and he's very much like. This is not the life I, I want for myself. I I cannot give you what you want. I will support you know you and the baby, but I can't give you the emotional connection you want. I can't give you this family you're looking for because that's not what my life is meant to be. And but at the same time, he can't pull away from her. And eventually, he recognizes that his love for her is the thing that should bind him to her. And his parents relationship should not be the model for whether he can have happiness or not. I think that the the love of fated mate that we find in romance has a lot to do with shorthand because yeah. <laughs> it allows like, you know, crazy circumstances and it allows just a forced proximity of sorts to to play with in interesting ways and look at it in interesting ways, but it's definitely like, well they can't leave because they're fated mates. Like it, it kind of creates that forced proximity that that drives the story forward and drives the romance forward. Agreed. <laughs> it's, Sarah McLean says it's cheating. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but we love it. It's true. Isn't it all cheating in the end, though? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I said that on a recent episode. I said something like, well, it's a contrivance. And then I was like, oh, everything's a contrivance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like only one bed, right? Yes. <laughs> because then they're gonna ooh, they're gonna find themselves cuddling in the night. And But isn't that why we love it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the second you realize there's only one bed, you're like, Oh yeah, it's going down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> so cause I think I tend to come at this question from like a I don't believe because I, I think some people in real life very much ascribed to the idea that like they and their partner or whatever the romantic situation is like oh we were meant to be together and i'm like were you (laughs) there's a bunch of people right now listening who are like turning off my podcast and like i'm never listening to this again (laughs) but it it is something that i think works really well in romance but like in real life i'm like no (laughs) when some of my favorite romances are like ones where they had meaningful relationships beforehand that weren't that aren't like demonized in the text and then it went on to find love again whether it's the person died or the relationship didn't work out or like whatever you're seeing that a lot i mean i'm writing that right comment. now are you kidding <laughs> say more <laughs> i i actually a few months ago contracted um signed contract with smp for a divorce series um, where it's uh, three women who become friends as they meet at a divorce uh, support group mm-hmm. and realize that 
The support group is not really their thing, but the bar across the street is. I love it. I love it. They develop what they call the the savvy, sexy, and single club. And all three women are over 40, divorced, and finding love for the second time on their own terms. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm so excited. Please, right now. <laughs> what was wrong with their their first love? Um, they each have different. I mean, I'm I'm married, and I I wanted to write a series, and I'm happily married, but I wanted mm-hmm. to write a series about people who might not have found that the first time around, uh, and women who were you know in their forties, I guess, because by the time I hit forty, I started to feel like, why does everybody think I'm dying? Like I'm. <laughs> I, this is the prime. This is the prime of my life. I'm fabulous right now, <laughs> and I wanted people to read about women who felt that way about themselves. But each one has a different reason why they were divorced. The first couple, the first heroine, her husband was a douche, and so you know she rightfully got rid of him. The second one, it was more of a they did not agree on child rearing and some of the things that was going on with her child. Mm -hmm. And so she made a conscious decision that I love my husband, but my job, my purpose is to be the best mother I can be to my child. And right now those two things can't happen at the same time. And so she, they, you know, made the, the decision to divorce and were amicable and were able to work through all of that. And he actually plays a big role in her second relationship, the relationship with the hero in the story. Um, and the third, the, the third, the heroine is divorced because basically she and her husband were very much dedicated to their jobs and not really each other. And they came to an amicable decision that they both should be set free, so to speak, because they weren't, they had pretty much fallen out of love. No hard feelings, no anger. It was just, you know, this is not right to hold on to a person that I know that I no longer have that emotional connection to. They made that mutual decision, but now her best friend who's been waiting in the wings all this time. Pining! Yes! My turn! (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of what's going on with all three, with all reasons about why they got divorced. I'm sitting here, I love pining, and I'm like, why did I not make pining one of the themes? <laughs> you should have. I love pining. Okay, I'm I'm going back and I'm changing out one of the themes for pining. <laughs> because I love pining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ruby, so speak, speaking of divorce couples, your latest book, is it your latest? Where the, yes. the couple with the, there's only one bed, there's only one tiny New York apartment. Yeah. So- I'm curious in that story where, so you have a couple, it's a second chance story. Can you remind me of the title? It's called House Rules. And it's about a couple who's been long divorced, like 17 years. And they find a deal. They both are looking for a new place to live. Lana finds a deal on a great two bedroom apartment. She can only barely afford it. And she says to her ex-husband, you know, I know we can live together um, and I know it's very unusual and um, maybe we could try this again, but try to have really, you know, stringent rules about how we uh, live together. And uh, that, that, uh, that doesn't really last. <laughs> those rules. Um, 
but their love does, you know? Yeah. So that's the important <laughs> thing. That's the important thing. So were they so were they fated to be together? Um, you know, that's so funny. I think that if you as the person think you are fated to be together, then maybe maybe you are. You know, as authors though, you know, you like to impose a certain order on, on the things that happen in your characters' lives. So, you know, I certainly think that they are fated to be together, even though I don't necessarily think that that is always true in real life. Mm. I'm complicated, you know, we're complicated. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We're all, we're all way more complicated than could be contained in a romance novel of our lives, right? Mm, yes. <laughs> um, and so, Katie, you're writing, at least in, in the Wicked Villain series, now, y that series is more fantastical. So I'm curious, does it do the romances tend to be more of like the faded to be together variety? Yes, I, I would, I mean, I joke that they're basically paranormals that just don't happen to have magic. I don't know that there's any like, uh, wow, words are super cool. I'm doing great. Um, um, <laughs> I, I don't know that I, I have like labeled it as faded mates, but they have that element of like, star-crossed like can't get enough that you kind of find in like a lot of the paranormal faded mate type stories there's definitely like leans hard towards free will <laughs> mm. like they're choosing this yes no. yes and are they mates if there's more than one i'm sorry more than two people i mean i i think so <laughs> but uh, i'm sure there are paranormals out there with have like polyamorous faded mates and now i want to find them faded trios um, they have to exist yeah yeah <laughs> um those were oh my gosh we kind of covered all the questions what what other thoughts do <laughs> gosh what what thoughts do you guys have about fate versus free will do you believe it in real life i mean i'm i'm really like an anti-fate hater uh what about you guys to some degree i believe it i i kind of met my husband that way very it appeared very random when we met but um, as we connected and got to know each other's family and friends, there were so many people in our lives that we each knew separately. And um, like things like my godmother and his mother worked in the same school and they were friends, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, strange things like that. So oh, wow. it's it's and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just that instance. It was a, a multitude of people in our lives that connected us. So I, I kind of felt like, OK, it was going to happen one way or the other. It just so happened, you know, kind of randomly that we ran into each other on the street. But it was bound to happen with all the people we knew in common. I love that. <laughs> I believe that there are multiple, like, soulmate type, whether it's romantic or otherwise, that a person's, like, destined to come across. But I don't necessarily think that you have, like, the one true love in your life. Because, like, what happens if they, like, die or something? I mean, it's... It, I, but I also have a lot of anxiety, so that's the things I worry about. <laughs> um, but, like, my husband and I have, like, the romance novel, like, saw each other across the bar, and it took us three years to figure it out. But, like, it was the equivalent of love at first sight. It was bonkers. So, I mean, I think that some people are, you're fated to, like, come across in your life. But I don't necessarily think that it's, like, one true love above all. Mm. What are you, Ruby? I guess what I think is that I am lucky that I met my husband. Mm -hmm. Like, we met online at first, and, and, you know, it was just like a correspondence, and I'd been very cynical and jaded 
at that point, you know, and I was just like, oh, well, I'll just go on this one date. And, um, and I, I sort of had this weird idea that, you know, that I didn't care anymore. I had this weird idea that he'd be some sort of like very, like the, the Jolly Green Giant or something like this, or a lumberjack, and he'd pick me up and, I, he'd, and dangle my <laughs> legs from the ground and, and I'd be like squeaking and wanting to be put down. And so then I sort of looked in the window of the restaurant where I was supposed to meet him. And I said, why can't I meet somebody like him? And it turned out to be him. Oh, oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> so. Wait, you met online, but you hadn't seen a photo of him? I had not this, uh, you know, I am, I'm ancient. And so, <laughs> you know, camera phones were not yet a, a regular thing um so yeah so i i did not have a picture of him he knew what i looked like because i had sort of managed to i don't know wangle something <laughs> for work or something like this but you know so it was uh so so there you go so it's sort of yes sort of no but at the same time i know that i look back on the story and and, and with like you know sort of rose colored glasses and go mm. oh wasn't that wonderful i saw him through the window you know so I wonder, I wonder how much of, of it is my own, you know, bias, sort of making this story what it is and how much of it is, is, is just, you know, life science statistics. Yeah. I dated a number of people, you know, what is the number supposed to be 13 or something like this? And then, you know, you're bound to find that person. Um, who knows? I definitely did not date 13 people. <laughs> I love that story. I also met my husband online. And by the way, I could end, I could ask people these questions endlessly. If I didn't start a romance novel podcast, I actually floated um, the idea to a friend. I was like, can we just start a, a podcast where we just ask people how they met their spouse? I'm sure this podcast exists, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure somebody else thought of it first. But we're all um, like Googling right now. Yeah, yeah like, right. Ooh, that sounds like a good podcast. But I met my husband on OKCupid back before it was different then. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> but I'm so logical. Like I actually I Katie, you said something that kind of resonated with me. I mean, I guess the idea that there's like a bunch of people out there that, you know, like we'd be like 10 out of 10 do get along, you know, with each other. And I think a lot of people kind of like sometimes people end up with somebody they, they should have maybe held out. They should have dated like 12 more people before they really settled and really like waited for that 10 out of 10 match. But I feel like I went into my looking for a partner very logically. Like I had a, a legit checklist of like, well, he must meet these criteria and then I hope we get along. Oh my God, you and my husband would get along so well. <laughs> Except I didn't meet any of his checklist. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, but so the funny thing is, is like my husband also thinks that way. Like we were buying a house, you know, this is like last year and we we're buying a house and we literally made like a checklist and we're like, okay, we'll put three stars next to the attributes that you find very important and put two stars next to like the second most. And you know, like, that's how we think. And that's how we both think. So we get along really well. So it works out really well. But I, but it also makes me feel like I'm the least romantic person on earth. <laughs> but if it works for you, that's all that yeah. matters. You, that's all that matters. That's the only thing that matters. Thank you. <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like you just validated my love. Um, thank you. <laughs> We've been married for like eight and a half years. So I feel like I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's like working out. <laughs> on uh, a recent episode I said something like oh I got married like really young I was like 24 I don't know if I knew what I was doing and my husband texted me he's like you didn't know what you were doing <laughs> and I was like you listen to my podcast 
So, Ruby, what's something other than romance that's bringing joy to you during social distancing? Okay, so my child has, um, we are working out in the morning to just sort of work out the wiggles. Ooh. And this is actually making really, me really happy. You know, exercising, who knew? But at the same time, you know, like I thought, okay, we'll be dancing to like some, you know, Taylor Swift or something like that. That'll be our workout, right? No, she had me doing like five different kinds of crunches. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, then I guess I really will be working out. So I, this is, this is, has been really fun for me. That's great. Yeah. Starting the day off, right? Yeah. So you're going to, yeah, you're going to have abs of steel by the time you emerge. I am really <laughs> impressed with me <laughs> already. <laughs> How old did you say this child was again? She's nine. Oh, my God. Five different kinds of crunches. Where, where yeah, do they learn okay. these things? I don't know. It's amazing. That sounds fun. Okay, yeah, we'll take some before and after pictures. <laughs> you know, like holding your shirt up with a newspaper, please. Yeah. <laughs> That's all for night three of the Decameron. These episodes will release two a week over the next month or so between regularly scheduled full episodes. So make sure that you are subscribed to Shelf Love on your favorite podcast app and check the show notes for links to the romances we mentioned, plus where to find my guests. Coming up on future episodes, I'll cover themes like parenthood, friendship, and food, and maybe pining with even more awesome romance experts. Stay well, take care of yourselves and your community, and keep calm and keep reading romance. 